Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume five, issue 215. You can, as we always say, play along with the podcast. And our next five shows in volume five include the likes of, or very specifically, in fact, Beyond Two Souls. Then we continue our Zelda series with The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. After that, it's Conquer's Bad Fur Day and Conquer Live and Reloaded as well, of course. Then Persona 3. And following that, we conclude our current run of id Software corridor-based shooters or monster-based shooters. First-person shooters. Rage is the game anyway. Um, and one day we may come back and do the four Quake games in a little run. That would sort of round things off nicely. But uh, when that'll be, I don't know. Anyway, you can head to canarince.com where you'll find the schedule, as well as links to our forum, our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, all this great stuff that we do. It's not just the podcast. We also have articles, features, reviews, and other bits and bobs uh, on the homepage. Uh, And if you do enjoy what we do and you want to help us keep on doing it, uh, we have some sort of ways you can do that, one of which is uh, a Patreon account, which we operate in the style of a virtual tips jar or a donation box you simply go to patreon.com slash rinse and you can pledge a dollar a month or more if you like or you can pay one off and then cancel your payment something like that anything you wish to give us in return for all the podcasts we put out is incredibly gratefully received thanks to everyone who's already pledged and has already helped us uh, this month after we had dire straits with our existing host and had to move uh, to a superior host and uh, your donations helped facilitate that, that process so we can't thank you enough really we also have another podcast which is all about video games music it's still growing uh, it's taking a while to catch up to the heights hit in terms of download figures by this show but uh, we'll get there eventually hopefully it's called sound of play you need to seek it out on uh, on whatever uh, platform you get your podcast from And we love it when you review or rate or just subscribe to both the podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, anywhere else. Uh, If we're not on your platform of choice, let us know and we'll add ourselves, if you see what I mean. Thanks for listening. But now on to Doom 3. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this podcast, we have Darren Gargett. Mm -hmm. Hello. And returning Doom-type guest, John Salmon. Good evening. So we covered... Doom, Doom 2 and Final Doom, um, all the original sort of uh, Doom stuff, 2.5D, whatever you want to call it, back in a previous podcast about a month ago. And now it's on to the what was a long-awaited sequel, but it's really, it's called Doom 3, but Mm. it's really a sort of reboot. It's a kind of start over, rewrite the, uh, write the same story in a new engine for the mid 2000s it was still developing of course Um, and uh, one of the most significant things was I suppose by this stage that John Romero had moved on to Pastures New uh, leaving the uh, Carmacks John and Adrian Carmack uh, heavily involved but the director of this game is Tim Willits who I think is still at id he was certainly still there for Rage Mm. Um, and they also uh, to communicate their story uh, better. They roped in uh, a published science fiction writer by the name of Matthew Costello, who's uh, been published since the mid to late 80s, 
um, and has also written for other video games or had written for other games before this, such as Seventh Guest and Eleventh Hour, but also Starsky and Hutch, the Empire Interactive game, um, since written for Just Cause 2. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it's an interesting one. Uh, and the music, after having um, famously it worked with uh, Trent Reznor on Quake, um, but this time it was one of his former uh, compatriots, Chris Frenner, the drummer of Nine Inch Nails for some years, um, and uh, he did the music, uh, most of which, I suppose, um, well, the stuff you hear on the title screen is very much of the genre you would expect. It's sort of industrial rock, but there is also some more ambient, sinister, spooky, sci-fi, scary stuff. The game came out on Windows PC, which was the lead platform, of course. In August 2004, a Linux version followed shortly, then a Mac version, and also an Xbox version. Original Xbox this was, uh, ported by Vicarious Visions, who I think were probably the same team who ported Quake 3 to the Dreamcast. Does that sound right mm. to you guys? I'm, I'm struggling to remember, to be honest with you. Mm. They're yes. certainly, um, they were conversion, you know, they're, they're, they're known as you know, conversion <laughs> experts. Um, the Xbox version, which was, uh, I did have it briefly, but I didn't play it very, very far in. But um, I had nothing to compare it to because I didn't have a PC that would run Doom 3 in the mid 2000s. But... Uh, anyone who cares to compare and contrast, the levels were broken up into smaller chunks on the Xbox. The textures were standard definition rather than higher resolution. Uh, the auto-aim assist was on by default for controllers. Um, they cranked up the gamma a bit after feedback based on the, um, the PC version, something I'm sure we'll talk about. They widened the difficulty spread. They made the easier difficulties easier and the harder difficulties harder. And, of course, it featured uh, Xbox Live Play, but also co-op. Um, Doom 3 came to Steam in August 2007, and December that year it popped up on the Xbox 360 store as a, as a backwards-compatible emulated Xbox original. And the source code was released in November 2011, uh, which is no use to me. But uh, there's an interesting article out there by um, the guy who wrote Dyad uh, named Sean, Mc Sean, Mc Sean McGrath. That's right. He wrote Dyad and he wrote an article on Kotaku uh, about how astonishingly neat and elegant Doom 3 source code is. Uh, he wrote a sort of a love letter to it, so that's interesting from a technical point of view. But that would go uh, that would go beyond beyond my sphere of understanding. Um, so the reviews were decent, I would say, but not stellar. Uh, the Xbox version actually has the highest ranking on uh, game rankings based on average review scores of 87.63. That's from nearly 100 reviews. So actually the Xbox version within context of its format impressed people more than the PC version, which is about uh, is exactly 1% lower from n almost 90 reviews on the PC. So that's sort of interesting in itself. Um, I guess expectations, you know, you could argue would have been lower, mm. even though it was, you know, a slightly downgraded port in some ways. They obviously, Vicarious Visions did a did a good job of, uh, of getting it over. Um, the game sold, uh, according to our one and only resource for this sort of thing, VG Charts, uh, the Xbox version sold under 0.85 million copies. 
Um, but I don't think this can be right because according to VG Charts, the PC version sold 0.03 million copies in North America. Mm. So that's, yeah, I don't think that's right. So I don't think we can we can even trust that. So on to our personal histories with the game. John, uh, were you stoked for this one? Did you have a PC capable of running this? Um, this was... Although we, you know, we, obviously we were we were starting to get buried under a glut of first-person shooters, but Doom Three was kind of a big deal. Uh, yeah, obviously, with all the interest that I'd had in the previous Doom games, and I think at this point in time, in two thousand and three, two thousand and four, I was still playing that shareware version of uh, the original Doom uh, on the PC, which we had. It was the old PC my parents had bought in about nineteen ninety nine. So I'd not had anything that was even remotely capable of running this, but I remember being very excited about the original announcement that it was also coming to the Xbox, because I did have an Xbox. And I I couldn't find any information about this, but I seem to remember there being issues with the Xbox version. It was announced that it was coming, then it was... I know it was delayed by quite some time, but there was talk of it then only being released in America, there was talk of it not coming to the Xbox at all, and then eventually really? it did. Um, and I think for for what it's worth, for what I remember, I think it's the very first game that I actually pre-ordered before I picked it up. Because I remember going into, it was either Game or HMV, we had them right next door to each other where I grew up in Cambridge. Um, and I got the really, really nice, it's still one of my treasured pieces of game collection history, but I got the limited edition or i think it's called the limiters collectors edition and it comes with a whole it's got a dvd of bonus features it comes in a really nice steel case um so yeah i was i was all over that on what was xbox day one i guess a year into the pc release okay and uh yeah we also talked about the the port of uh old older dooms that came with that uh, particular version yeah um so were you blissfully unaware of the sort of the 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 level of downgrade that you would have you know suffered for want of a better word compared to the to the PC version running at full whack or was it oh. just something that didn't bother you or you, it was just felt so far out of reach because the id software games you know were were so often things to show off your your rig with oh back, yeah back in well, the day the whole um, id engine was a big deal even back then wasn't it I think um, yeah very much so. Yeah, I at the time, I think I probably wasn't really aware of sort of massive downgrades in quality for console releases of things. I mean, I was I was very much into video games and I very much enjoyed playing them, but I wasn't particularly up on the technical side of things. I didn't really follow development very much. I tended to hear that a game was coming out and think, oh, yeah, definitely I'll be picking that up. Uh, so I don't think I ever went into it thinking I'm playing in a, what's going to end up being an inferior port. But I do, I've got a very distinct memory of playing the Xbox version and looking at some of the textures on the walls and thinking, that looks a little bit like when you draw with the pencil in Microsoft Paint and you can see the, <laughs> like, the individual pixel bits. There are bits on the wall that look like that. I remember thinking, that's not very nice. And it was quite muddy looking as well from what I remember. Yeah, but I think I that's fair. Yeah, I don't think it really bothered me. I think I was just grateful that yeah. I could play the game. But yeah, I remember looking at it and thinking, there are bits of this that are not as nice looking as everybody was saying this game was going to be. Mm. Darren, how about you? Were you fully PC'd up at this stage? Yeah, but I wasn't 
I think they're the best PC. I never have done. I've always been in on, on the cheap side and I kind of get PC upgrades or buy a new PC for games I'm really interested in. And I think I just yeah. bought a new PC for the upcoming Half-Life 2 at the time. It's all, it all it's kind of a blur, but I think they all came around about the same time. And the the leaks that happened with Half Life Two, uh, Half, yeah, Half Life Two and Doom Three, kind of prompted me to get into PC gaming again and buy a buy a new rig and get ready for it. Um, which left me with no money, and I don't know what the philosophy is on piracy, but I ended up with a, a, a an illegitimate copy of the game, which when I could afford a proper version i went out and bought you know immediately because i was riddled with guilt and i've never liked pirating <laughs> games anyway because you never enjoy them you don't get that satisfaction of owning something if you know what i mean but you know yeah. i had to play doom 3 because i was such a big fan of doom 1 and 2 and yeah. and 64 well not so much a fan of 64 but i knew i knew it existed and i you know i like quake as well so doom 3 was a must and you know i hate to say it but you know i, I yeah I was, a, I was a naughty boy um but yeah then i ended up playing through it on the pc and then I got the the BFG edition on Steam and again on 360. Yeah, I believe John, you've also been back to the BFG edition recently. Yeah, um, that's the the version I'm playing now. I do have it on Steam, and even though I'm using a old PC, which is rubbish by today's standards, I'm sure it'd still run Doom Three absolutely fine, possibly even better than the the BFG edition on the 360, which still has some of those slightly pixelated, muddy looking wall textures. I might point out. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I've been playing. I had that, I got that a couple of years ago, and that's been like my second, third playthroughs more recently. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, for me, I did pick this up on Xbox at the time. As I say, I didn't have a PC anywhere near capable. I remember looking at screenshots of the forthcoming Doom Three and uh, sort of saying to fr- I remember a friend of mine specifically, you know, a football gaming friend of mine. There were a large group of who I used to work with and uh and he was uh, he's a bit older than me and uh he loved his footy gaming we we all played a lot of pro evo and I remember him saying I can't imagine graphics getting better than this to and we're talking about <laughs> PS2 pro pro evolution soccer here um mm. and I said well you always think that and then you know and they do and 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 that's in a way that's that's one of the nice things about gaming cuz you know, I kind of I, I sometimes feel that now about stuff, but I know the history tells me. And I was saying, well, you th- you say that, but look at these screenshots here. And I showed him Doom Three on you know preview shots in a, in a magazine, so they're obviously you know fully rendered mm-hmm. up to the max. And uh, and it, and you know, and I remember saying, well, you know, obviously these are these are Martian space monsters from hell rather than uh, you know. Uh, Stephen Gerrard, but uh, <laughs> but the, you get the idea, you know, the lighting and the detail and all this sort of thing. This this is where we're headed. So I remember thinking Doom Three was like a you know another another step forward in graphics. As you said, um, Darren, this actually arrived uh, like two or three months before Half Life Two, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, so obviously we weren't. We, that was you know arguably a bit of a watershed for certain things that one came to expect from you know the way the things that shoot 'em ups first person shooters did and the and the way they you know handled things. So I think Doom sort of Doom Three is quite interesting in that it's obviously it's got a very foot very much firmly in the past because it is effectively a, a reimagining of uh, a game that was already 10 years old at this point, but it's also clearly got influences of things that came in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Um Half Life One I think yeah, is an obvious influence. One, yeah. yeah. There's some really, really telling bits from that, like the the monorail sections, particularly. And yeah, the, for the sure. whole complex exploration with sort of random scientists, and you can kill them. I mean, I did my run that I did recently. I wanted to get all the PDAs, 
And you actually have to murder a handful of scientists to get their PDAs off them. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't even know that. Same as you can do in Half-Life. You can just punk them for no good reason other than (laughs) I'm a terrible person. But yes, like like uh, like you, John, I was happy enough just thinking. Well, I, you know, I spent three hundred quid not so long before on this uh, on this original giant Xbox thing. So you know, th- this is my this is my kind of low end PC as far as I'm concerned for playing games like this on. So I'm happy enough to play a slightly compromised version when I when I can't afford to to play the high end stuff. But I played it a little bit. Didn't really play very much at all. It got set aside for other things. Um, I bought it again, the BFG edition on PS3, uh, when that came out in 2011, 12, 12. 12. Um, and again, just, you know, dabbled with the opening few sections, but it again, it didn't grab me. Um, and I speak, you know, as listeners of the previous Doom show will attest, um, and other first-person shooter shows we've done about things like Goldeneye and Halo, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the genre, big fan of Doom, but Doom 3 just... I don't know what it was. It didn't grab me. Perhaps, perhaps we'll 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 understand why. So, um, for this show, this is one of the only uh, games that I hadn't completed before that I'd committed to during this run of completing every Zelda game. Um, so I bought the uh, the old version on Steam because two reasons one because it was a lot cheaper than the bfg edition which is 20 quid on steam by default and this i managed to pick up for uh like one pound 50 or something and also i kind of wanted to play play it as it was then and there are some you know there are a few significant small but significant changes between the original and the bfg edition which we'll talk about later um so i just wanted to play i played it in 1024 by 768 it doesn't really support widescreen um highest resolution is like 1600 by 1200 but um i ended up uh yeah played it in 1024 by 768 but i played with everything at ultra maximum settings so i was kind of seeing it as a supercomputer would have played it in 2004 yeah. um, 10.24 by 768 would have been pretty impressive in 2004 yeah with everything set to ultra yeah and you know like um i think this was a bit of a system hog back in 2004 but for a uh, my my machine which is like three years old is um you know it was a, a decent three-year-old machine was yeah just more than happy can run it uh i think Doom 3, uh, the, the old version, only goes up to 60 FPS, whereas I think BFG, you can play it up to 120 FPS. Uh, on PC, this is not on console. I think console's 1080, 60. Um, but, yeah, so that was my experience. I played it with the flashlight key. I played it with mouse and keyboard. I played it on a PC, and it felt like the right way to do it. Uh, so, Darren, you uh, you illegally pirated a copy back in the day. You have since uh, made uh, you have since atoned for your sins. But uh, were you also privy to the uh, leaked alpha, which is something I learned of during research? I, I wasn't that excited for Doom Three enough to spend time really? looking for the alpha. Yeah, I, d- I did it Half Life Two. Okay. I remember running around the Borealis in that alpha, but the um, yeah, the Doom Three one didn't really grab me. Um, I, I don't know why. I, I, I honestly don't remember, but. Um, yeah, uh, I, I remember John Carmack coming out soon after saying mm. it doesn't really matter. You know, it's annoying. It's it's really annoying actually, but actually it doesn't really matter because people are going to buy it anyway. It's doing free. Well, that's it. And conspiracy theorists may suggest that it it might not have even been entirely accidental. Um, mm. You know, well, people these, will these... say that about any leak. 
Exactly. Yes, they they, they can be a, a, a very uh, a cheap way of creating a lawful lot of hype. Um, but we don't know that, so that's pure speculation on our part. So yes, the story, the scenario, uh, we are kind of back where we were, but everything's considerably more fleshed out. Uh, you are a space marine, a thick-necked, rough-neck type, um, heading off to Mars. There's a sinister corporation. They're meddling in things they shouldn't meddle in. There are ancient artefacts, and there are, of course, gateways to the other darker dimension that is we might as well consider hell. So, as with the previous Dooms, you've got obvious influences, uh, literary things like H.G. Wells and H.P. Lovecraft coming together neatly. Movies-wise, you've got Alien and Aliens. Um, as we discovered before, Doom was very much influenced by uh, Aliens. The Thing, I think, is, is, is a big part of it, John Carpenter's version. And I have to say, Event Horizon plays a part as well, because that, that was 1997. Yeah. Um, and... Um, for me, uh, you know, considering they brought a published sci-fi author into this, um, I think I, f- I feel like you know the tone is set, although it feels very, very different to the earlier Dooms to me, mm. and that's that's okay. Um, we'll come on to the sort of the the number of collectibles later, but actually, as an overall something to hang it on, it it did a job for me. You know, it 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 didn't. It, it didn't. It neither repelled me nor overtly grabbed me. It felt, you know, it felt a little bit hackneyed, and in a way, maybe something that didn't warrant the kind of extra attention because it's such a kooky, you know, excuse to shoot hell monsters on Mars anyway. But how do you chaps feel? Oh, not a fan. Um, throughout all, all three playthroughs I've done of this game, John Carmack's quote of "Oh, games are like." porn they don't really need stories and i was just like well why has this got one in it it's just like <laughs> brilliant like uh, it felt like a way of showcasing the id tech um engine without you know guns blazing and imps firing fireballs at you like it kind of gave the player enough downtime even though it's the start of the game to sort of soak in the atmosphere that the id tech engine 4 can provide and I, I appreciate that don't get me wrong but um at the same time did it have to go on so long it was just kind of for, I, I like seeing the little robot scoot around like and the noises he makes but did, does it have to be so laborious it, it just felt like it went on forever for me and every cutscene that was staggered throughout the game I was just a bit like yep you, you, yeah, you've, you've played Half-Life good work it's very um, it's very missable as well like one thing I noticed was just before the show I've been sitting there reading um, the plot summaries for each of the you know things on the BFG collection on the Doom Wiki, and I was looking through this thinking I played this game last week, and I did not pick up half of these little story beats in it. It is so mm. just kind of unnecessary. I mean, it's it'd be easy to just say like the original Doom. You're just a guy. You're sucked into a bad situation. Oh look, some scientists were tinkering with something they shouldn't be, and they opened a portal to hell. And now there's demons, and let's try and close the portal to hell. Mm. But there's so much extra, just little bits of like the infighting between the scientists and stuff that's going on. It's mm. yeah, it seems slightly arbitrary. But on the other hand, yeah, I mean, would you would you want to take it out and just leave it like what they had in the original Doom, or is that very then derivative? Again, we have to, I suppose, try to put ourselves back in 2004 when perhaps, you know, we were still pre-Mass Effect in terms of, uh, we were even pre-Dead Space, you know, in terms of how, for want of a better word, trying to bring slightly more 
uh, oh, I don't even know if I should say, but sophisticated sci-fi to to video games compared to simply you are a man on Mars shooting monsters. Um, as I say, I'd say in 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 terms in terms of levels of sophistication, I'd have this about Event Horizon, which is not a very high bar in terms of deep, complex, uh, challenging, dark sci-fi. Uh, yeah, I feel like this tries more than Event Horizon did because that is literally just oh we went into hell and then hell came back with us and now everybody's being killed and there's no explanation there's no care given to it it's just here's an excuse for some horror uh whereas they doom kind of comes across like that but they i think they try to mask it a little bit and try to add more depth behind it whether or not it really works i mean you could you could go through this and you could listen to every little thing that comes across every little whisper in the Mm. corners everything that every scientist you talk to says the voices over the radios you could read every single pda log and listen to all the audio logs and stop in front of the the video player machines that are playing like here's a bit of information about the teleportation device. Here's a little bit of information about the plasma rifle. There's a lot of it. There is a lot of it. You could take everything in and go, wow, this is actually really deep. They have had a proper science fiction guy come in and write and try to make this feel like as realistic of a place as you would actually have. Or you could just play it and ignore all that and be like, yeah, this is fun and dumb and, you know, I'm just shooting bad guys and... It does that perfectly true. if that's all you want out of it. So you can you can kind of take it how you fancy. That's yeah, that's kind of true. The, the, generally, the cutscenes which involve you know these really quite uh, I I think bizarre looking human faces. <laughs> really, un- you know, again, I'm, I'm talking hideous. about and they're all the same. I'm talking as well. about yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really you know we, we we've criticized many times Bungie's old uh, facial tech. But this is, you know, this is on a on a similar level. You know, you might have more shaders and more normal mapping or whatever, but actually the the structure of their faces, and then combined with some not completely inadequate, but rather cliched and hackneyed sort of voice performances. Mm. You know, so, you know, nerdy scenery chewing number ten. bad guy. Yeah, nerdy scientist, scenery chewing bad guy, roughnecks, man who points There's, to the left. He's a classic. <laughs> You've got the split in the corridor and he just points to the left. I like that. It's good. It's a nice little bit of animation. He just points that way. I'm like, cheers, mate. Sign that's posting. your job. Actually, I thought that they might have <laughs> taken some of the facial models from like the Strog in uh, it's really right. in Quake 4 where they actually flesh them out a little bit. But they look hmm. like sort of stretched white skin with a swimming cap on over a skeletal face. <laughs> Even the the woman who they bring in yeah. as like the main character in Resurrection of Evil, she looks exactly oh, like wow. all the male characters. Yeah, she's 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 definitely she's something. Mm. Do all the faces have yeah. the crease down the middle where you can see the polygons join up, or is that just the later versions of the game? I can't, I can't remember if that happened in the original. They've drawn half a face and then mirrored it. Just mirrored it, yeah, because you could literally see the the where the where the angle is on the nose where they've just uh, copied and pasted the face. Yeah, I think that's. <laughs> That's pretty much there, even even at even at ultra settings, yeah. Um, so it doesn't, you know, all those things together. Um, f- you know, there were points when when e- when everyone shut up and I was just sneaking round dark corridors with hissing steam and, mm. and all that, and we'll come on to the art design. That you know, I was definitely you know I I felt immersed, um, but I have to say, no more so than I ever did in the ten years older game. Uh, in terms of even though you know the obviously the visuals are, are a 
like a you know a big leap forward in in terms of realism mm-hmm. actually we, we were talking about how immersed and and you know in the world we felt in doom in in that in that podcast and doom 3 didn't really top it for me i wouldn't have said even though yeah you've got you know you've got more realistic looking backdrops and 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 it kind of makes more sense i i guess there were moments where i sort of appreciated the you know the sort of, you know the bulkhead doors and and the and the pipes overhead and all that sort of thing it it's certainly uh certainly you know functional um yeah. but there's a lot of things you can do in the start of the game in you know in the in the scenario around you where you can press buttons to make the world feel more alive like you can make that window sky thing like open up and you can see mars briefly above you and you know you can punch a turkey in a, in a street fighter <laughs> and look alike uh what it called super turkey puncher super or something turbo like. turkey yeah. puncher yeah 3000 so there were little things to muck around with you know again a la half-life um to make you feel mm. more engrossed in the world but it yeah it like i said before it just carried it just carried on and i just wanted it to happen mm. i just wanted to get to the shooting basically but it's it's like half-life in that respect the beginning of it starts I don't think you actually come in on a tram. You come in on a spaceship, but you go up to the desk, talk to the guy. They <laughs> give you your sort of assignment. Go and collect your gear from the locker room. Go down to wherever you're supposed to be going. And it's a good sort of, what, 20 minutes, half an hour of exploring corridors and random people mm. going around to go, I haven't got time to talk to you now, exactly like they do in Half-Life. They say messing about, like turning the microwave on and playing the little uh, the mini game, which... I might point out, actually, someone made me laugh. If you play that Super Turbo Turkey Puncher and get, I think it's quite a high score, it's something like 20,000 points, you get an email through on your PDA saying that you've spent too much time messing around and that the yeah. UAC is going to dock some of your pay. <laughs> made me laugh yeah, when I dock, saw that. Dock your holiday or something, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, all, the, all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, we may as well bring the sort of the PDAs in here because there are tons of them. Mm. Um, and not only are there tons... Right, 65 PDAs, mm. but within each PDA, there's some of them have maybe half of them have got audio logs, one or two, mm. and then each of them has normally between sort of two and five emails. And there is a ton of stuff to read. And I read some of it out of due, due diligence. And by about, you know, kind of a tenth or, 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 a third, maybe maximum, a quarter of the way into the game, I was just scanning them for the locker codes yeah, <laughs> because yeah. it just wasn't interesting. You know, I just didn't find, for me, I just didn't think that what was going on was either amusing or interesting enough to, to be worth my while. Yeah, I think they've gone, um, they've gone for the realistic approach of actual work mm. people having a work conversation and there might mm. be a little kind of, oh, don't eat my cookie while I'm not looking or something stupid like that. Mm. But it's just not funny enough. And, for you know... That they hired a professional writer to probably write all this stuff, and it's just like it should be more. It should be more, you know, engrossing. I guess. Um, the, I like the audio logs are sorry. pretty good. I, I I do feel like there's too many heavy breathing noises in the audio logs, and just kind of like just sort of like <laughs> loud screeching noises and stuff. I know that's doom and they're, they're the imps and stuff, but I feel like when they audio logs start playing or someone's contacting you over the um. The, the tannoy, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> it, they kind of make some really loud, horrible screeching noises, and it kind of, I know they're kind of on Mars and communication isn't, you know, of, of the best quality probably, but it, it doesn't make it any easier for me to listen to. It, they've kind of played on realism a bit too hard, and I think they may have forgotten that, you know, we're also playing a game. 
Mm, it's something that bugged me a little bit. The PDAs, when you go into them and you're reading the emails, the game's still playing in the background. So there's still all the background noise and stuff that's going on. So if you're, yeah, You can take damage and get mm, jumped if you're not careful. If you're trying to listen to an audio log and there's actually noise happening in the background, it can make it really hard to hear the audio logs. And there's a few of them where they've got locker codes and things in the audio. Hmm. Um, so I found that quite frustrating. Basically, every time I found a PDA and I wanted to go and have a look at it, it was a case of, well, go and secrete myself into a corner somewhere where almost certainly no enemies are going to come and rush me. And there's very little background noise going on so that I can read these things without being attacked and hear the audio yeah. logs. Functionally, I sort of quite appreciated that stab at realism mm. um I, I quite like that tension but then as a, you know th- that's part of the reason why because of because the immersion of the actual the environments and stuff was stronger for me i was thinking right i'm in if i'm in this scenario and i you know i like to immerse when i play video games as as most of us do i'm not going to be reading these trivial email exchanges between members of staff you know i just don't care i'm i'm there to survive get a job done and survive that's it <laughs> um so i so i don't want to sit around going oh look this bloke ordered some porn or he's a nerd and he's, he's, a, he's a member of a, a gaming porn. group yeah exactly and it you know again if it had been so if it had been sparklingly written you know if it was like real you know top end witty stuff then i could have been coerced but it just i just didn't think it was it was strong enough to keep my attention i did appreciate though that you can at least uh, listen to audio logs while on the move mm. you don't have to stay mm-hmm. in the menu for that thank goodness yeah yeah, yeah and i d- the PDAs, they're kind of uh, the collectibles. So by my, I always initially go, yeah, I'm going to get all of them. And then you realise that some of them you can miss. And uh, mm. it's not the kind of game, it's not Mario 64, you know. You don't want to be, I don't want to be scurrying around corners of the uh, the environment to find a PDA or something else as, as a collectible. It just, it felt kind of forced. And uh, it's just not very natural for the game. I know Doom 1 and 2 have secrets in terms of like, you know, movable walls that you can shoot or, you know, open with mm. the use button. But that felt more more organic, you know, and even though it looked more ridiculous with the wall sliding up and there's a monster behind it, it felt more genuine within the context of the game rather than me, you know, looking around every nook and cranny for a PDA. It just, yeah, it, it wasn't very exciting. rewarded for it in a meaningful manner. Like you found a secret behind a wall. It almost always had some decent stuff behind hmm. it. These PDAs, I mean, although they do add to the general vibe of the thing and it feels natural to have the responding back to emails and stuff between the scientists, they don't really add anything to it. It's certainly not like, oh, I've got a health pack, wicked. Yeah, you know, one or two of them do unlock a really big gun at some point. Like, if you can get the plasma gun early, if you find the right yeah. code or something. And I, those are the collectible, well, those are the PDAs that I do really like because there's a reward behind them. Like, you'll scan through it. Mm. You're not reading anything. You're just looking for the numbers and then you write it down or something. Like, that actually feels quite, uh, you know, exciting to discover, I guess. And uh, But back in mm. 2004, it felt kind of fresh. But it was just kind of muddled in with a bunch of other rubbish that I wasn't particularly interested in. So by that very nature you're kind of as the game goes on you're less inclined to find these pdas for the the um you know the, the closets around you because you can't be bothered for a collectible thing it's incredibly unintuitive to actually have to murder the people that you're supposed to be talking to to get them and there's one yeah. particularly you quite early on in the game you come to a bit where there's a scientist trapped in a chamber and he says, press the button to release me. And there's two buttons in front of you. So you can press one that opens the door and he runs out. 
Oh, that's you right. You press the yeah. other one and it comes down and I don't know what the hell it is that gets him, but it little pipe thing drops down over him. It comes back up and he's just a skeleton standing underneath it. But he's got a PDA that he, you have to basically save right. him from this chamber, then run around the corner and just blast him in the face to get his PDA off him. It's, it, for a collectible, that's stupid. Yeah, that seems that seems pretty weird. And it also became comically repetitive as well. You know, every code's got a three key, three number digit, you know, uh, entry code. Mm-hmm. And every email, like every fifth email says, try da-da-da, that should work. <laughs> or try da-da-da, that ought yeah, to get it. Or, I you forgot know, the code for the lockers. Can you change them for me, please? Yeah. That's seriously, all of those workers, aren't they, really? Like almost mm-hmm. every employee there had a problem with a code at some point. And I didn't there find... were a couple of interesting ones where they, um, yeah, where it, more interesting ones I thought where 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 they'd have it like projected up on a screen in a, on a wall or something like that. But generally, it was the same thing over and over again. <laughs> There's one that's got a post-it note stuck on the keypad that's got the code on. Yeah, it. <laughs> it's like yeah, these the people are one, real idiots. Uh, yeah, it might have trap? been the trap one. I the think tra- that's the one where it's got it's got an infinite. Yeah, the trap one yeah. is locker six six six. Of course, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's also I didn't I didn't find this so much in the main game, but in the Resurrection of Evil and possibly Lost Mission as well, it's like they couldn't be asked with it, and they didn't want to put in enough PDAs to cover it all. So you'd find one PDA, and it would say the code for the lockers in this area is blah. So you get the code, mm. and then that opens three different lockers at various different points around the level. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. maybe they just got bored with this thing. But yes, let's move back on to the the sort of art and visual side of things. So we've already been critical of the the facial tech, but uh, how about the actual overall game world? Thinking about it both in terms of a of a two thousand and four slash five sort of technical tour de force, albeit perhaps in a slightly compromised console form, and also how you feel it looks playing playing it now, even if you're playing the BFG edition on the three hundred and sixty or whatever. Uh, yeah, the, the the differences between BFG and Doom Three were a bit of a revelation for me, because uh, I remember there being better shadows and uh, better lighting effects on the original. So it's quite of a hmm. revelation to f- see that they've removed some of the dynamic shadows that are generated from the player torches and the imp who throws the fireball. They seem to remove right. a lot of shadows. But I remember Doom Three, the original version, the actual world around you and all the machinery and just the the impressive you know tech that they they had made to create these real dark, believable corridors was just absolutely jaw-dropping and it like i say even playing it in 2012 and 2016 they do such a believable well they do such a good job in making you feel like the world is lived in it's it's really well done and just all the machinery that spins around it's kind of they really believe in that aesthetic and and it just worked absolutely yeah brilliantly for me yeah i loved it things just kind of feel Right. I mean, it feels like what you would imagine, uh, you know, sort of a boring space station base might be like. It has, although you never actually come across any living quarters, I don't think, but you find little things like common areas and kitchens. And I mean, there's a disturbing lack of toilets around, but um, it feels... There's a few restrooms, actually. There are a couple. Mm, there's that one with that jump scare that mm, I'll I'll never forget the the mirror scare yeah (laughs) yeah I think that's the first time I've actually properly had a jump scare but it feels like things go as they would like I mean I found this to be something that I compared it with um the original fear game quite a lot whereas you go to a water treatment facility in that game 
and it feels like a water treatment facility. It's just cold, stone, boring corridors, very utilitarian hmm. design. And then you go to whatever it is after that, uh, to a, a burned out building or something. It just, it's just like, yeah, there's no flashiness here. This is just what the real world, this environment would be like. It's, you know, it's not being gossied up to sort of fit in with video game fun times. It's kind of realistic and boring. Um, Condemned hmm. did a very similar thing as well. And this, I just felt, yeah, this you wouldn't necessarily need to have flashing lights and lots of cool stuff everywhere just because, well, we can and we need to keep people's attention. It felt like, yeah, this might actually be what a, what a boring base on Mars, functional, but, you know, essentially what you need it for. Yeah, I would agree with all that. For reference, uh, this came out just just purely out of interest just over a year before the first fear. Um, so it may have been that this had some influence on that. Um, I think overall, I felt I felt similarly uh, to you guys when when there were no human beings on screen. <laughs> this game still looked playing at ultra dif- uh, you know settings um, quite you know quite passable. There are there are obvious things which. You know, I could see now. I could imagine playing in, um, you know, high, with higher res textures and, and whatever, that, and and sort of even superior lighting that would have improved things. But it's still, yeah, I, I still felt with when you com- combine the ambient sound as well. Mm. Um, I still felt, you know, I felt on edge. Uh, you know, I was I was very rarely petrified, but you know, um, but generally. Just that little bit creeped out, but I think overall, four years later, uh, Dead Space hmm. did it more effectively, or for, for, for my money anyway. But obviously, yeah. we are now eight years on from that, and that was four years on from this. So you know that's slightly unfair in a way. But yeah, the the visuals remind me of uh, Chronicles of Riddick: Escape from Butcher Bay. They kind of have mm. that kind of matted look to them, like the same the, year as well, was it? Uh, around the same time, yeah. Because I remember playing that yeah. on the Xbox, and uh, it's kind of got that that kind of not. Is it blurry? I'm not too sure, but the kind of everything looks kind of metallic and kind of a bit blurry and a bit smudged. But it, it, there's something about that look and its consistency that really works for me. It kind of it looks realistic without relying on it too heavily. It kind of it kind of reminds you that you're you're still in a game because you can see kind of the the, the gamey nature of it. But at the same time, it just it just looks you know really um really well done, especially in Doom Three with cause they. Escape from Butcher Bay Chronicles of Riddick was kind of just kind of one note in in most areas. It's kind of yeah, it's very dark, and you're you're seeing it behind like a blue filter if you were hiding. But Doom Three, there's enough color in there for for you to um you know to to look at and be pulled in by like you know when an imp is in a dark corner and he, he suddenly fly, lights up his fireball, it, it illuminates the room around you. And if you haven't got your torch out or, or your gun out or maybe both, if you're playing the BFG edition, you won't find the things in the corners unless you see the tiny little blue sliver of light on the on the items. Mm. They do some really mm. clever things, and they they play with the the shadows and the lighting extremely well. And maybe maybe the best I've ever seen it in games. I, I don't recall shadows being that well done since. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, the thing about the uh, the darkness, though, is obviously something that they felt they they, they needed to address. Um, the The BFG edition is lighter. The Xbox edition is lighter. Resurrection of Evil is lighter in in terms of those dark corners. And they were obviously in the first, you know, the initial release of Doom Three. They were very keen to have people get out this flashlight. You have to press a separate key. Mm-hmm. It means putting your weapon away. Um, and you have, you have to scale the corners, the but time. this, 
No, they, they did a duct tape mod where you could have the pistol and they, I say they, uh, the community made a duct tape mod where you could have yeah. the pistol and torch because in theory you yeah. could have them both at the same time. But yeah. yeah, but in the original, no, it's flashlight or 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 nothing. Um, flashlight and no weapon. That's that's kind of the point. But the, the thing that irked me about this, like I actually thought overall I, I got it and I was quite pleased to have played the, the non-BFG edition because even though it doesn't necessarily make entire sense, I actually liked the fact that you had to make yourself vulnerable and that was clearly, you know, the, clearly the idea of this mechanic was make the player feel vulnerable so they have to mouse wheel or press a hotkey to get their weapon back out to to protect themselves. But it did, you know, the, uh, as much as the lighting impressed you, Darren, and, and would have no doubt impressed on a technical level at the time, the fact that the dark bits are absolutely pitch black mm. uh, by default is just not realistic. It's just ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, you can be in a bright room, but if something's in a shadow, it's like there is no light exists <laughs> in this place. And that's not how light works. Mm. Um uh well yeah i've seen i've seen light um and and that kind of made a bit of a mockery of it that combined with the fact that the flashlight is so punily weak i mean thank goodness there's no sort of um uh managing of uh of batteries Letting like in batteries um, be awful. out out last or whatever but uh but that's there and the thing that i found is because the level design is so repetitive if there's a really dark corner with nothing in it or a monster burst out of somewhere and now there's no monster there, just walk around there because there will be collectibles. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they in the end you don't, need, yeah, you don't even need to bust the flashlight out because you just know that there's probably, even if it isn't something with a sliver of a light on it, like a, an armor shard or a, or a health pack, there'll be some shells in there or grenades or rockets or something. So, um, but that seemed to be something that they used over and over again. And actually the the bits where you needed to use a flashlight to navigate are very few and far between. Yeah, I remember being, um, you know, originally quite impressed with the, you know, do or don't uh, mechanic of the torch. And uh, it did put quite a lot of tension on it. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought it kind of flies in the face of the, you know, Doom's nature of just, you know, blast everything you see mm. in, the, in the original two games it kind of it put a survival horror spin on something that didn't really need it and um the more i played doom 3 over the years the more i kind of was grateful that they added the shoulder mounted you know torch to the armor uh, that, that was their canonical reason for it but you know it was all to do with yeah, tech yeah. back in the day but yeah the, the the torch or pistol thing was kind of uh, yeah it felt unnecessary. It felt like again they were they were leaning on realism a bit too much then, and uh, yeah, the duct tape mod was kind of the first signs of that. And I was like, oh yeah, you could hold a pistol and a yeah. torch at the same time. Yeah, and it, it was it was controversial when they when they you know fixed it in inverted commas for BFG, um, and it was controversial when they put it in without their you know people people are fans of both. But in a way, I wonder if you've hit upon the crux of the matter to to talk generally and sweepingly before we go back to specifics. This is the, the kind of you've hit on the the whole point here. This is like this is a shooter, but it's it's a first person survival horror shooter. Mm. Um, it obviously has still has big you know first person shooter elements. You get a rocket launcher, you get a BFG later on, and all that sort of thing. And there are big arenas with bosses and so on. But most of the time, you're creeping around fairly claustrophobic areas. 
monsters pop out at you from literal closets, famously so, um, or they just teleport in as you collect stuff, you trigger all the enemies. It's not like the original Doom where you enter the monster's lair and apart from on the hardest difficulty setting where things keep warping in, you enter the lair like in Gauntlet. We said it's basically like a 3D Gauntlet Mm. game. You go into a dungeon, the dungeon is full of enemies and they exist whether you're there or not. In this game... Everything is spawned by you, effectively. So it feels like you have the power to kind of, you know, control the game. But it's such a different design philosophy. And I wonder if, is this this what we wanted from Doom 3 or a Doom reimagining? Was it okay now that Duke Nukem 3D existed and Serious Sam existed at this point? They kind of picked up that stupid, Mm. big dub fun mantle. Do you think Doom 3 felt that it had to do something else or was it kind of, you know, pre-predicting the kind of the trend towards these, you know, Dead Space, Half-Life 2 type experiences where it was a bit of a mixture of the survival horror and the and the shooter? How do you chaps feel about that? I feel like it's more heading towards and almost being the genesis of what we now have most recently with things like Outlast and Soma of a first-person survival horror experience where you are... I mean, you're not in Doom, but there are things about it that can make you feel very overwhelmed and underpowered. And I mean, you go to hell. You literally go to hell and fight demons in hell. Uh, You're just a guy with a few guns. Um, So it's it's not quite like Outlast. You're just running around with a torch and a a video camera. But Mm. it's... I don't remember specifically before Doom 3, any first-person survival or horror experiences like this. They're very well maybe, but I don't remember any of them. I certainly don't remember there being any, like, mainstream big examples, certainly not, like, something that came out of id software. Um, But it very quickly picked up afterwards, and there were some very, very good games not long after this that did take that mantle um, and run with it. I mean, the Penumbra games, which... Well, that's Frictional who've gone on to do Amnesia and Soma. The first one of those probably wasn't very long after this. Uh, so I, yeah, I think that it's it's taken horror in a slightly different direction. Certainly survival horror. It's a little bit like Resident Evil 4 changing it up so much, but still being a horror game, but changing it from the predecessors. And after Resident Evil and games that arguably came out before that, like Alone in the Dark and stuff, a lot of survival horror games were sort of third person or second person in some of them, uh, sort of item management, inventory management. Mm. And I think this may have started the trend to go in a slightly different way. Mm. Darren, did you miss, you know, kiting and uh, circle strafing and 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 going into a room with eighteen monsters and going bang, click, click, bang, click, click, bang, click, click? Because that's the dooms. This isn't this in a way, although it's you know it's on Mars. There's monsters from hell. There's imps and a shotgun. It it feels so different, doesn't it, to the yeah. predecessors? Yeah, it? it's a lot less puzzly. You know, you are kind of running mm. forward for the lot of it, for the most of it. Where it's quite linear. Yeah, it's, yeah, you know, it's a river as opposed to a swimming pool, which is the original Doom One and Two. You know, you, you can't really free flow around it. Like Doom One and Two remind me of Goldeneye in the fact that it's kind of like mini sandbox levels that you run around in. You know, mm. if I didn't do one or two, like we spoke about, you, you get key cards and you press a button and something in the far right hand corner that you've already been to ten times opens up. And this doesn't have that. And 
I kind of appreciate Doom 3 for its own design, if you know what I mean. I, I kind of, I do miss the old school, mm. you know, solve the puzzle and press the button to stop it uh, kind of design. But I, I do, I, mm. I do like this run forward and blast the hell out of stuff. Um, you know, the design that Doom 3 had. I played it most recently on on hard because I like, you know, trying new things, I guess. And uh, yeah, I like challenging myself. And it does change mm. the game quite drastically in that that you don't really have time for the torch. The kind of everything that's running at you twice yeah. as hard it kind of forces you to deal with the environment without the torch and even though you could have it on at all times you don't really have a it doesn't really make a difference because you're just like you said you're constantly running into those areas that are just opened up to get the items and health and then yeah and then you, you'll run into the next one because they are constantly triggering in front of you and behind you which i do really appreciate actually i do like the fact <laughs> that doom will catch you off guard in a quiet moment and you just hear this little patter of feet and you're like what's going on and then behind you which our games rarely do uh yeah it will spawn a few enemies and just keep you on your toes it does yeah and and you know the surround the surround sound effects are nice i was, I was playing with stereo headphones but it works much the same um, in my head anyway. But um, I feel like they pulled a lot of the same tricks over and over and over again. Yeah, like mm, just, you know, it's it's a long game. Uh, the, just talking Doom 3, not not with the extra stuff here, is a good, well, I, it took me 15 hours on normal and um, I'm sure it could take you more. Uh, if you were playing on a harder difficulty, um, I don't know what the average is. I think that's about right, but... A lot of these tricks, yeah. a lot of these spawns, I just felt like I'd seen them so many times by the end. You hear the lightning crash of the, you know, the teleportation thing, and if you don't see where the guys actually come in, you know he's probably going to come around a corner in a few seconds, and you'll get him. And then as soon as he's dead, it yeah. happens again. As soon as that one's dead, it happens again. And you know, there's there's points where it will spawn a handful of them at the same time, but there's mm. so many points where Imp comes in, kill it, immediately another one comes in, and it does it six times. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll get on to um, Resurrection of Evil, where I think they kind of upped the ante in terms of the number and and mm. uh, and brutality of enemies you fight in one go, particularly towards the end of that. But, but Doom 3... Um, obviously, it, it ramps it up a little bit as you get towards the, the latter stages of the game. But... I felt they kind of dragged it back a little bit as well. It's weird after, in my mind, you go... the So what you think? You go into hell, what, two-thirds of the mm -hmm. way through the game? And it's not that long of a section. Yeah. You fight no. a bunch of enemies there. I mean, you start seeing the Hell Knights there, which are arguably the biggest regular enemies in the original yeah. Doom 3. You get a bunch of Mancubuses. Uh, at that point in the game, I think it all starts, also starts throwing it... Um, arch files at you but mm -hmm. then after you come back from hell which i mean i would argue probably the game should wrap itself up either in hell or very soon afterwards you come yeah. back in mm -hmm. there's another he does there's a pretty long section and suddenly it's throwing a, a huge ton of imps at you again and it goes back to there's two enemy types who are quite like imps one of them i think is weaker um, with the like the crossed arms thing, like almost blade arms, and the other ones are like little chimps that spawn and then they teleport around. But they're they're all sort of really base level weak enemies, and you mm -hmm. haven't seen them since fairly early on. And suddenly you come back from hell and it's throwing those at you again. It's like, 
hold on, I've just been holding off. There's something like 16 Hell Knights that you fight while you're in yeah. Hell, and then you barely see them ever again. It does. Um, it does sort of. That, I think that's true. It does sort of. Um, there are areas where it will spawn weaker uh, enemies, but it will be tighter with with ammunition. But I understand that the BFG edition part of the rebalancing they did was to add more ammo generally throughout the game. Yeah. So if you've been playing that version, it will yeah. be on a higher difficulty than I did. I think vanilla Doom Three. Uh, is a bit more survival horror-y than the BFG edition in that regard, in yeah. that you have to be a bit more careful with what you're letting off. But having said that, I, there was only one point in the game where I was almost completely out of ammo. I always had something, pretty much. I found there to be very few points in the entire thing where I didn't have pretty much full ammo in mm. every single weapon. And full ammo is ridiculous. You get... It's yeah, three hundred and twenty rounds in your shotgun, a hundred right. rockets. Oh, um, I never got anywhere like that playing the old version. Yeah, this it's... is interesting because I saw the interview with Tim Willits talking about the BFG edition, you know, and obviously the interviews at shows saying, "So what have you know? What have you done?" And he's like, "Well, we've made everything a bit lighter. You can have a flashlight on all the time, and we were a bit stingy with the ammo, so we put more ammo in." No, so yeah. it sounds like they really did put a lot more. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm with John on this, like. When I have so much ammo, it starts becoming a different kind of game where you mm. kind yeah. of, in your head, you're like, what do I get the most of, right? I need to use that gun more. And you kind mm. of use guns out of, not necessity, but just pure, <laughs> just, just pure. Because I, I might as well yeah. use this thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Feeling like, sorry for him. Yeah. I found I mean, myself they're, they're, chucking they're, grenades just because I had so many of them, despite yeah. the fact that they're not really that good. There's no, it doesn't feel like when they designed the enemies, they were like, right, well, we're going to make the... The Mancubus is going to be like exceptionally strong against everything apart from the rocket launcher and such and such. Mm. Like everything can be taken down with everything, and mm. I don't think mm. the difficulty level makes any difference to that. Like I played it on Nightmare most recently, which is supposedly the hardest one. Mm. Um, but I so just more enemies. No, I think from what I gather, the number of enemies is exactly the same. The enemies right. take the same amount of damage, so you can still blast an imp with a shotgun in the face and kill him. You can still blast a revenant in the face twice with a shotgun and kill them. But what they do is they make the damage that the enemies give you uh, much, much higher, and they take okay. away all the health packs and mm. make your health drain down. So you spend the majority oh. of the game in a state where pretty much anything will kill you in one hit. So did you find that that balanced out the... Because I was going to say, did you feel like the survival horror element was lost by the amount of ammo? But if, you're, if you've got those other facets, does that perhaps... You know, it sounds like you had quite a different experience mm. to me in, in that sense, in that the balancing was so different. Loads more ammo, but loads less health. Yeah, it's very, very tense in that respect. Like you, You're running around with 25 health, so your health, if you've got more than 25 health, it will constantly drain down back to 25 mm. They remove right. all of the health packs from the game. They leave the little health stations on the wall. But if you heal yourself up to 100, I think Off you lose... Yeah, 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 exactly the same. <laughs> if you lose five health every five seconds. Mm -hmm. So if you just sit there, you'll go from full health down to 25 in just over a minute. But the, the thing that they do which really balances it out and actually makes it a lot simpler is they give you the soul cube from the beginning of the game which you don't normally oh, get okay. until... Do you get it when you finish Hell? Yeah. After you beat the, the boss in Hell? I can't remember because it's been a couple of years since I played it properly. So they give you the Soul Cube right at the beginning, and the Soul Cube 
what it does is you charge it up by killing enemies. So after you've killed five enemies, you can use it. And it kind of works like a sort of a predator glaive. If there's an enemy nearby, it just shoots out and it will go through walls and it will just take the enemy out and then come back to you. And it will also recharge your health, your health when it comes back. And your health kind of goes up in sort of five <laughs> points every second or something. So you can still get killed while you're recharging but it's yeah it then goes back up and hmm. you get to the point where i was finding i was managing the soul cube more than anything else by hmm. taking out lower level enemies until i had five to charge it and use it and then like technically you should be saving it for the bigger enemies but it comes to the point where well i know there's going to be because i've already died in this section i know there's going to be eight imps that are all going to come at me here so I might as well just use the Soul Cube because it will recharge itself again before anything more necessary comes along. Mm. Oh, and then also that will kill, I think, any enemy in one hit. Even some of the bosses are almost trivial with it. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, it sounds like strategically we had very different experiences. Mm. Again, I'm you know, talking about playing the original game on PC. I was using F5, F9 a fair amount, not not tons because I didn't have to, you know, because it wasn't that hard on normal difficulty. But talking about the grenades, for instance, uh, I would generally not use them that much except when I would have died and then coming back into a game on a quick load, the grenades throwing in a head to an area that you know just caused you problems mm. Mm. Uh, worked pretty well. Ah, oh, the now, physics. Ah, oh, sorry. Yeah, but the, the grenade physics are mental. <laughs> like, they are so weird and like wrong and Mexican stupid. Mexican jumping beans or rugby balls yeah. or something when you chuck them. They're crazy. Really un- just bizarre, yeah. That's ridiculous. God, they explode on impact on the enemies, but half the time it will bounce off the wall, come back down the corridor and wipe yeah. you out as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and virtually every enemy in the game makes a beeline for you. There's very little, there's, there's yeah. no enemy AI intelligence mm. in this game whatsoever that I can think of. Um, there's some nice sort of scripted set pieces where they crawl in off the walls and, and mm. off the ceilings and stuff like that, but that's pure that's pure candy. There, mm. There's no actual uh, enemy intelligence going on here. So generally things run towards you. And so the grenades are a case of, you know, whereas circle strafing was king in the old games, this is run backwards and roll a grenade in front mm. of you and hope that when it impacts it, you're out of its uh, splash damage. <laughs> and the, yeah. the environments are generally so small that the enemies are pretty close to you by the time you can yeah, get your grenade holes off. and there's in the floor in various places, mm. which is the whole puzzle combat thing um being removed from the doom series is kind of why i was such an advocate for um serious sam and painkiller back in the day because they they reintroduced that kind of playground uh with your gun kind of a gameplay and that you know you've got things far off in the distance that you can only use your sniper rifle for but then up front you've got these skeleton horses and um, headless men with bombs in their arms screaming at you it, it kind of forces you to use all your guns in different scenarios and so, and so the puzzle combat it was just you know it was absolutely at the forefront i think serious sam gets a bad rap because it's a stupid looking crazy game but if you were to mm. sit down and actually play it for a, a, you know for a good time you'd soon realize that there's actually a quite a deep complex um a strategy, you know, strategy shooter in there which uh, doom 3 doesn't really have uh, which is a, a bit of a shame um but yeah the, the physics on the grenades not only do they have a 
<laughs> kind of a pinball grenade from Perfect Dark effect, but by accident in the fact they always come back at you. Um, but the, the physics on the bodies are just completely ridiculous. It's like they have no body mass at all. They just sort of, they just ping off down the corridor and it kind of brings a comedy levity to the game that I wasn't really expecting. Uh, when you throw a grenade <laughs> yeah. at one of those caca demons and it kind of, it's like someone's lobbed the football out of a window. It just kind of spiraled out of control. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be in Doom, but I'm kind of glad that it is. Those caca demons have the same ridiculous inertia in this that they do in the original game, where if you just blast it with a rocket as it's going past you, you will just send it spinning across the entire room. And most of the time you get them, you can kind of tell the tricks that the game's going to play. Like you can see if you go into a room that has a high ceiling or outdoors into the, the sections on Mars, it's like, mm. there's going to be caca demons here. There are definitely yeah. going to be caca demons here. It's the same as you see those spider things so often come oh. out of the little gaps on the bottoms of the walls. You see that little oh, yeah. gap and you think, I know what's going to come in this room. I think those are responsible uh, uh, spider swarms or whatever they're, they've got. I can't remember yeah, what they're, they're called. called trites. That's it. But I think they were responsible for more deaths than any other enemy in the game uh, for me because yeah. I would often get swarmed with them. And because mm. you're trying to be careful with ammo, um, you end up, they they can quite easily overwhelm you. And uh, I was finding just mouse wheeling through the how many en- uh, weapons there are sometimes. By the time I'd actually mouse wheeled to the right one because I didn't learn my hotkeys, <laughs> I was like, I was already being kind of um, bounced around by multiple of those, you know, spider monsters. And you could end up in actually kind of corner trapped and, you know, uh, unable to do anything because every time you took a, you take damage, you kind of get pinged backwards and stuff like that. And that kind of stuff isn't so much mm. fun. But again, it's the, the the frustration is softened by the fact that quick save, quick load on PC, mm. you come back in and actually all you need for those is the pistol or in the Resurrection of Evil, the gravity gun. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we'll come on to that. Um, but I wanted to know also how did you chaps feel about the look and feel of the weapons as a whole? Because I kept finding myself thinking that I wasn't enjoying the shotgun as much as I enjoyed the old shotgun in Doom. Now, the one thing I do really like about the shotgun in Doom 3 is how much of a difference using it close up makes, even more so than the old ones. Like, the closer you let a monster get to you, if you let it within, you know, an inch, you will pretty much take you know any all of all of the small enemies out with one with one shot which is which is satisfying and and a, a cool mechanic um shotgun from any range at all is pretty much you know useless now but just things like the it's not that the weapons sounded bad as such but they didn't a lot of them didn't sound amazing to me mm. and they didn't the feel... machine gun doesn't sound amazing it sounds no, like no. a nail gun or a staple gun yeah. or something like that yeah, which of course they had the nail guns in in the Quake games, didn't mm. they? It, it was it felt more like that. I'm glad everyone else is feeling the same because whenever I fired a gun in Doom Three, it was kind of just like, oh, pachoo, pachoo. It's like, well, come on, where's the meaty? Where's the weight mm. behind the gun? And where's the sound effects to go with it? Is they all kind of felt too, yeah, just just not great. Uh, and the BFG, uh, it just it doesn't feel right in this game compared to the previous two. In yeah, the previous two, it's like, not the same BFG, is it? No, like <laughs> the, in Doom One and Two, when you fire it, you you feel you felt like a little demigod at points. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna fire this gun because you saved those cells for so long, and you launch it, and it kind of blips all the enemies in the screen. Whereas this, it's kind of like a better plasma gun, sort of. It doesn't really have the. You were charging effect. it up, right? 
Uh, if you charge it, it up for more than about two seconds, it kills you. I had no clue. Yeah. The game probably never told me that, and I was just firing it like a regular gun. So uh, that that'll be why. I think if you if you just if you just click it, just ping it, you get a relatively yeah low low level plasma blast but it's got a whole risk reward thing where as john says if you hold it too long you can suicide but there's a point where it where it's you know kind of like do 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 and you let that go um it's very useful on the final boss of resurrection of evil you really need it then oh god Um, yeah that's probably the hardest boss or even the hardest fight i found in any of these things at all We'll come on to that. But talking mm. about influences, I thought there was quite a strong Metroid Prime uh, thing going on in, in some bits as well, um, which was, I guess, a couple of years before. So, mm. yeah. Um, and and following on from that, you know, obviously part of the, the feel of a weapon in a video game is how the monsters react to it and, and how they look. Now, you know, we talked about the, the iconic look of the, even with their incredibly simple animations of the, the old Doom monsters. Um and I didn't again like they they those old Doom monsters are kind of silly and kind of fun and very pixely and two D and whatever else, um, and you know there's obviously there's a huge nostalgia piece. But apart most of the enemies in this, I didn't feel were particularly excitingly designed. Mm. Uh, the 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 one that did get me quite a bit was the more Giga esque uh, one that was introduced in Resurrection of Evil. Um, which oh, yeah. they use a lot, um, which is, I, I don't know what it, again, I, don't, I have no idea what it's called, but it's a, it's a more spiny kind of creepy yeah, it's, crawling It's thing. like an imp crossed with the xenomorph. And you see them coming, crawling sure. on walls yeah. and ceilings a lot. And they've got yeah. that long tail that the xenomorph has mm. and a yeah, head very, that's a bit very, more like it. Very alien-esque, mm. but, um, but that worked something for me. Like, but whereas... uh, vagrants or okay. something like that. But, yeah, they also look like a bit a bit like Sil from Species, who was also a Giga design. Mm, um, yeah. But yeah, the things like the imps, like uh, we're also going to talk briefly if we have time about the film, which um, which I think the imps look kind of similar in this game to how they end up looking in the two thousand and five movie. That is to say, kind of just like big humanoid slime things with like I don't know, it just spidery heads. They're just indistinct and kind of a bit meh. And uh, that's really poor critique. But you, you know, there, there was there wasn't much about the monsters. You know, I, obviously we could recognise those, those ones coming back, the Mancubus and stuff, and it was cool to see them and all that. And the Cacodemon, you know, they, they've kind of had they they couldn't have looked the same because they would have looked ridiculous with that mm. that that crazy old design, and they had to change them. But but there was nothing that really in the main game that really uh, put the put the willies up me except maybe the babies which is a you know is a cheap shot but <laughs> i think the noise that those babies make is probably the yeah. scariest thing about any of the uh the yeah. enemies or anything like that um the, the pinkies aren't very pink it's kind of a bit of a letdown in that regard <laughs> the, the, i like the imps animations and the way they scurry out of vents and on you know on windows and stuff mm. it's all pre-scripted animation sure but yeah. At the time, and even kind of now, it kind of works for me. Um, mm. they, they, they have an impressive pounce. Either to, they kind of shimmy out to the side or they'll, they'll, they'll lunge towards yeah. you. And those kind of things work well. They they do play on the fact that they're behind every single door a bit too much. <laughs> it's like mm. it got to a point where you're walking up to a door and you're backing back because you knew there was going to be an imp behind there just going, oh, mm. I'm another imp, hi, guys. It was a bit too mm, predictable. Yeah. Um, you see that never, little corridor never. with like a health kit at the end of it. You're like, oh, I'll just go down and grab that. Yeah. And you know the panel on the wall is going to lift up and there'll be an imp just for some reason just standing there behind the panel. 
Uh, well, that's it. I mean, again, this is talking about the level design and, and the, the repetitive nature of it and, you know, the thing that everyone, everyone, the thing that many people, I believe, have said about Doom 3 is monster closets, monster closets. And, yeah. and, it, and it is comical at times because there are just monsters waiting in closets for you <laughs> to come. But in a way, that's kind of at least that sort of has a kind of a horror logic to it. It's the fact that you know that if there's a big room with a health pack at the end, you know, you know that collecting that is going to spawn in a monster. Why don't mm. they just all spawn in at the same time and pile, you know, <laughs> pile so, pile on you and kill you? Who's maybe. making these walls drop down? Like, why mm. is it there's a section where you go into, like, a sort of a square room? And I think it's the one point in the main game, for some bizarre reason, it gives you a berserk power-up, mm. which seems like they just put it in because they felt they had to, and then they never there, reused yeah, it for it some did. reason. Yeah. But you collect it, it yeah. and suddenly like all the walls go down, and there's zombies behind yeah. all of them. It's like, what are these guys doing behind the walls? And what on earth is it that makes every single panel go down at the same time? It's just, I mean, it's video game logic. It's the same well, thing that, yeah, it bugged but me it throughout the sense. whole lot. Like, there's bits, it, and it's just video games. It made more sense in old Doom because of its more abstract, less realistic nature. Mm. You know, you, we we talked about like rooms where you go into a bizarre, abstract room in one of Doom's famous levels, and suddenly, you know, all the walls drop and all the monsters come out. And it makes sense mm. because there's you know there's nothing really realistic in that game for it to play against mm. but when you're in a, a level you know we're talking about oh how this how authentic this mars base you know because it looks utilitarian and functional and it looks like you know th this could be an actual place with with people working in it and then suddenly there's yeah like you say there's like 18 cupboards in a row each with one identical zombie behind it <laughs> and nothing <laughs> like, else like there's nothing else in here i mean yeah what is this this so you can get behind the computer banks that are on the walls or something but i mean i shouldn't be trying to justify this to you doom yeah i think the least impressive enemy for me is the lost soul they're so good in doom one and two and in this it's just kind of a fate like and probably an employee's face with a bit of fiery effect <laughs> behind it that <laughs> they they changed it for the resurrection of evil where they've got horns and they look a bit more skullish but in this one they were just like just heads that they've disembodied off a model probably i don't know I like how it first appears when you find that woman and she's kind of you know terrified in the room and she she sort of begs you to help her and then you see her face kind of darkens and her head lifts off and you see the like the spinal column comes out mm. with the skull and then drops yeah. off I like the idea mm. that that's what they are but mm. you never see that again you've never seen it before in anything that suggests it um I mean in the original games they were spawned by those pain elementals, which don't actually appear in Doom 3 at all. No, right. It, I think mm. they're, from what I can gather, they're just about the only enemy from the original games that never came back. There's a few newbies, aren't there? But but mm. most of the old ones are there too. I think one I of just, the new I've... ones that actually get me is the kind of the army-looking guy with the stretchy arm. I don't know his name. Mm. <laughs> army stretchy oh, arm. The commandos, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, that's a good name. Uh, but yeah, in, in the quick words I did, I literally did a scream like louder than the microphone could handle. Those guys, oh, yes. they, they really get You'll me. Have to dig that one out. Yeah. For the uh, when this podcast comes out. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 again, I mean, they're, they're, there's so many of these things. Obviously, things like the the mancubuses, you know, rocket you from afar, and the Baron, the Baron Knights, as I always want to call them, um, you know, shoot painful splash damage fireballs at you from a distance. But most of the enemies, the commandos included, just rush you, just beeline for you, and they're faster and they have a reach, so they're you know they're more imposing and more of a more of a problem than than other enemies but um 
but there's you know uh, again i remember playing fear uh at the time or soon after and thinking that the ai in that game was quite remarkable you know mm. it was um some of the enemy soldiers in that game uh actually had something about them that made me feel like they had some you know some sort of relatively sophisticated ai going on um I think they did. It was a milestone yeah, yeah. For, for AI at yeah, the time. Yeah, sure. And obviously, we'd already had uh, at this point. We were on. We were just about to get Halo Two, and we'd already had Combat Evolved for some years. And many times on this podcast, including on the Halo series and other first-person shooters, we've said uh, collectively that I think most, certainly most of the Kane and Rince team would agree that sort of in many ways the Halo uh, enemy AI is still kind of up there you know in terms of a standard of of convincing um players that there is something going on but here uh you've got uh, yeah as i say not much to make me to make me think that unfortunately you know and after half life one did it with the uh, excellent well for that time uh, the army soldiers who come in to clear out the base yeah. like i thought they were brilliant ai like they were flanking you and it, they put you under pressure mm. and they were throwing grenades over places where you wouldn't expect so and even the combine didn't live up to that for me in Half Life Two, but mm-hmm. in this it was just like it, it felt like serious Sam, but without the playground. It was yeah, it was a bit, it's a bit mm. limited, but a bit disappointing. Hmm. The other thing that's disappointing about the enemies is it's very very difficult to make them fight each other, and part of the problem is that you don't see enemies of different types appearing at the same time that often. Mm-hmm. Um. It does happen, though, right? Mm-hmm. It can happen. I, I think I've seen it about three times in total. That's what I thought, but I thought I'd I thought maybe I'd imagined it. But yeah, it's like the the scenarios don't allow for it generally, do they? This it's so often that there's just a handful of imps uh, or a handful of zombies, and they don't get a chance to hit each other. Or when it does decide, we'll throw a revenant at you. That's all there is. It's just the revenant because I guess they're like, well, this is too difficult for you to deal with more than one of these things at a time. We should say there are some larger rooms with explodey barrels and you can, yeah, I think things can get kicked off a bit. But generally the, the philosophy is more about the sneaking about and the one enemy spawning at a time or two or three maybe, yeah. I think the only time I did get some infighting was when I, cause I'm, because I'm playing the hard most recently, I kind of pulled them all through a single door because they're not very intelligent, so they just come running at me. But a cacodemon yeah. blocked the door. And um, <laughs> there was just, I think there's two of them just like rolling around like, uh, like those metal marbles you have in your palm. They were just sort of rolling against each other. And uh, there were some enemies behind them obviously trying to fire at me. And that was kind of the only time I ever saw it. So I know it's in there. but I, I, there So the no... damage is still being calculated as as yeah. the cacodemons are getting yeah, hit yeah, eventually yeah. they die yeah. but yeah it's yeah. just it's, so, it's in a way that i couldn't really control like you could in the first two games where you're mm. just like i'm gonna actually get behind this guy when an imp's firing and you know you can sort of manipulate it that way but in doom 3 i never felt like i was in charge of that no it's, it's not it, a valid tactic like it is in the original mm. games no no again it, yeah just not it doesn't the levels don't allow for that the uh the overall philosophy um, and I think it's disappointing, and obviously there are technical reasons for this um, in terms of frame rate and demand on machines, but I, I think it is kind of a shame that there's, uh, I know we're going back 11 years, but the bodies don't remain. Um, there's, uh, there's, you know, there's good justification for these hell spawn to kind of burn away and go back into dust from whence they came and all that sort of thing. But I think in terms of... Um, leaving your mark on the game world i think 
uh, maybe this makes me sound like some sort of psychopath, but I think leaving a, a good pile of bloodied corpses of monsters and things would have added to the feeling of solidity to this world and that you were actually, you know, getting somewhere within it. Is that just me being nuts? No, I like that. Um, and it's it also kind of helps a little bit where there are areas where you have to go and find somebody's PDA and then backtrack to the yeah. door that opens. There are bits where you feel like all these corridors are so similar. I don't know if I'm yeah. going the right way. Mm. Uh, if there were the, a few bodies on the floor that you'd created earlier, you'd at least remember mm. that you were going into a previous area rather than somewhere new. What I will say is throughout the entire game, and, and it is quite linear, but actually there are some nice wraparound bits and um, I very seldom got really lost there were there were a couple of bits where i thought i'm not quite sure where to go next but generally even though there's this you know it's a big game full of relatively um you know large areas all interconnected and stuff i didn't i didn't get lost now occasionally it was there's some really blatant signposting which is enormous smears of blood everywhere <laughs> kind of pointing pointing mm. the way and sometimes you know it will literally tell you where to go and doors open in sequence but I always felt like it had a the game had a nice flow to it. Like I didn't feel I didn't I never felt like I was backtracking too much. I never felt like I was stuck too often. I felt like I was always making progress um into the next room full of monster closets at least. Um which yeah, it worked for me because I, I wanted to feel like I was because I was playing it for a deadline, I wanted to feel like I was making progress. But it could actually for somebody else it might feel that maybe the levels were a bit too simplistic in that regard. The only, only problem I ever really had with it was that sometimes your objective was a bit vague as to what you were supposed to do. Yeah, um, that's and true. And it, it didn't really come up anywhere near as much in the main game as it does in Resurrection of Evil. But the bits where you do have to collect an item and then take it back to... Most of it was get through a door, but then in Resurrection of Evil it started to be find some batteries to go in this thing so that you can charge it. Mm. And that happens numerous times or find this obscure looking panel that you're not even really sure what it is and then take it back to a door that you're supposed to put it on. There's a little bit of that, but it never really gave me too much trouble. Um, I think the just the fact that you're not always entirely sure what you're supposed to be doing beyond just, well, if I go through this door, the stuff will progress because it will happen in a cutscene, or there'll be a guy here who changes your objective or the objective is just get to this point and activate this terminal. I think the only time I ever got lost in Doom 3 and it happens every playthrough I can't remember when <laughs> but I, every time I hit that point it's 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 when it kind of it must be like a figure of eight or something but there's two floors to it and I always end up coming at the same crossroads and looking around going which way do I need to go and then because uh, you oh, press the, the button you've opened up the another moving, door moving platforms yeah yeah, oh, that okay. sounds about right yeah. yeah I always seem to get lost around yeah, about yeah. there every time so that's probably just yeah, my that fault uh, that that's slightly yeah. There's a you have to think out of out of the box at uh, that point. I would say to mm. to 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 move on. What I what I would say is one of those games where the the puzzle kind of elements are so simplistic. And again, this is even compared to the, this game's predecessors, where they managed to do, as we said, some extraordinarily clever, intricate things with three key cards, and and various wall panels. Um, this is the sort of game where you can actually solve your next objective without even knowing that you got it or picked up an item. You mm. just, you know, because you just follow the flow of the level, you end up going, oh, 
that's so that's been achieved then. Oh, well, I've plugged that thing into there. I didn't even know I'd picked that up, mm. <laughs> that kind of thing. So it's, um, yeah, it's not a, it's not a, a cere- cerebrally demanding game, I would have said. Um, is there, there's no sort of, there's no real, there's not even puzzles the level of, say, something like a, a more classic Japanese survival horror, like a Resident Evil type of, you know, bookcase puzzles. There's nothing that complicated, really. Mm. There's turn on the teleporter and then choose which platform to arrive on, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's really quite uh, lowbrow, I would have said, in terms of puzzle I, challenge. I don't like that teleporter animation. It makes me feel uneasy. No, it's horrendous. <laughs> it's, it's, quite, it's like yeah. a bowel camera thing. It's very, very colonic. Yeah, endoscopy. That's mm, right. That's yeah. the one. <laughs> I should really know that word. Yeah, you uh, you wanted to you, you wanted to say something specifically about uh, going to hell or being in hell or the design of hell, John. Yeah, the the level design of hell. Um, I I like it in the original games, but I really really like it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very very much a sort of um, what's the word for? It? I want to say like a sort of a Judeo Christian style. Yeah, sort of fire and brimstone and demons Absolutely. and torture and suffering and screams of the damned and all this. And it's a bit Catholic. Very much so. Yeah, I say Judeo-Christian. I shouldn't really because I don't think the Jews have a hell, do they? But um, that's I know that's a Let's way that people describe theology. it. Let's not get into Yeah, no religion, no politics, no we economics. Only, we only talk games. Um, yeah. No, no, but, no, we can, we can. We're relevant. Well, considering we're talking point, about a game that involves going to hell, like a literal yeah. Christian hell. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I like the... I like the sort of the iconography of it. I like the sort of the giant skulls dotting the landscape. I like the way that things move, like platforms appear and disappear, and hmm. time seems to move a bit weirdly. It's sort, sort of, of got a Jacob's Ladder kind of vibe to it. Um, it's like a heavy metal album cover. Oh, very much so. It's like a Judas Priest album cover, uh, yeah. down to a T. And I, I guess that's part of the reason why I like it because I'm all over that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's it struck me as I know that it's something that Doom does, but you don't see very many actual depictions of an actual sort of hell in media very often. Not quite as sort of, you know, balls to the wall as that of we're actually <laughs> going nose. to go to hell. You know, you see, I mean, it, and it goes on for the game leading up to it bits of hell bleeding through into the Mars base and then a little bit more afterwards and in the resurrection of evil. But to actually have a section where you directly go there, see the place itself and then come back is to me, it's something it's more than most people would be, would have the the guts to do. One thing I was interested in um, now, I think was it, was this a was this an Xbox console exclusive the co-op mode or was that just split screen was Xbox exclusive I'm not entirely sure but I, did I anyone remember, get to try it I remember being jealous of the console version having co-op so right. in my head okay. that means they we didn't have it unless it was a PC mod that I installed and then I was like oh this works but it's not as good as Xbox Live because Xbox Live was mm. uh, was it live I'm really struggling to remember I can't I think I'm it might have had split screen um, mm. as well I think it oh, had no, split that, screen. Mm. Wow, I don't know because I remember buying it um, and thinking, well, okay, their justification is that this is too graphically demanding to be running four people on the same console. But I don't know if the co-op was split screen. I seem to remember playing online co-op years later on the Xbox version running backwards compatible through the 360. Right. 
It sounds like um, it sounds like it could have been a good time. Screen. Obviously, you've got a um, uh, you. It's going to uh, sort of detract from the uh, the the solo survival horror element, but you've got um, you've got the sort of uh, they they've they've made some tweaks. So there's an area with a scientist who shows you through with a flashlight in the solo game, but in this uh, in the co-op, one of you actually has to. Be the be the flashlight guy, and one of you is the combat guy, and stuff like that. So it sounded like could have been entertaining. Um, one thing I know virtually nothing about. Um, obviously, after really the Quake series have been far more multiplayer focused, particularly Quakes one and three. Um, this seemed to very much be single player focused, but there was a multiplayer, right? I mean, you know, mm. there had to be a Doom Three deathmatch. Um, yeah, I don't remember is. it making any sort of splash at all. Um, is that because? Is that just me remembering it wrong, or is it because the enemy, the the weapons didn't feel like we wanted them to, or or was it just other things happened? I just never felt right to me. Yeah, I, I think by this point there. Uh, Quake was its multiplayer game and people were waiting for a new Quake and, you know, they ended up getting it. And, you know, I don't remember any multiplayer being in that. If, if there was one, it being any good. But, yeah, when you when you talk about its software and Doom, I think you associate it with single player nowadays and I think they're trying to rectify that with the new one because there's a beta going mm, on seemingly. soon. Yeah. And, mm. uh, you know, I did play the alpha and I was quite impressed. Um, but, yeah, Doom 3 multiplayer, every time I, I did turn it on back in the day and recently, it was just me running around an empty room, picking up Berserk and <laughs> going, all right, brilliant, good, good. I'm I sure a... it's got its hardcore fans. You know, every game has. <laughs> if you if you wait around long enough in any online uh, lobby, you'll find some crazy good person who will destroy you, mate. Like me Probably one of those things that suddenly picks up when it goes on sale on Steam for £2 and then drops Maybe. back down again. Yeah, so apologies to any uh, serious Doom 3 multiplayer fans out there who may be listening to this um, for giving that short shrift. But um, I think, as with many, we didn't, we didn't really uh, get involved. Well, I certainly didn't because um, I only just played the thing. Um, there's also we we want to. Uh, I'm not really qualified again to talk about the mod scene. Um, having come to this lately, I didn't play it with any mods on because I wanted to play it as was, um, alongside the infamous duct tape mod that we've already talked about. There are inevitably tons of uh, amazing mods from people, including ones that. You know, purportedly based on what little I have read, make the Doom Three game, you know, like way better than the BFG edition that it mm. managed. There are, you know, I've I've watched some videos of of this where it looks like you know Doom Three on a current gen machine, not a slightly up resed Doom Three on a last gen machine. So. Un, yeah, unsurprisingly, with the PC scene being what it is, there are ways of of making your Doom Three look like uh, look crazy, crazy amazing. But um, but it's not something I've got involved in. No, um, the duct tape mod I checked out and was at the time kind of against the idea of having the torch and the gun at the same time. Uh, as I said earlier, I kind of changed my opinion on that. But yeah, Doom Three mods are still happening. Uh, of course, mod DB yeah. there's literally one yesterday at the time of recording, May twenty ninth, uh, March twenty ninth. Sorry, uh, a Doom Three Alpha shotgun mod. So the, 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 right. those things are still there. You know, all the traditional stuff of modding happens in this game. Um, but I never delved far too deep into it. Um, like I did with Half-Life 1. Uh, mm. You know, it just felt like it was happening around me. And uh, I was okay with that. 
Are we just talking like graphical upgrades and simple things, or do they have the same sort of level creation and total conversion stuff that was going on on the original Dooms? Yeah, look, looking at through this list, it's like you know new levels, new conversions. There's there's it's, yeah. it's the full works. It's all here. Uh, but Doom it, Doom One levels in Doom Three, things like that. Yeah, and like, you know, anything you can think of. It's too big a subject um, for us and requires too much expertise, and it's not. You know, we're, we're reporting on the the published game, but it's it's an amazing thing. The PC mod scene in in general. That's um, yeah. That's, I think it's a, a great part of gaming, but it's something that yeah. But it's something that if you're not involved in it or cognizant of what a specific game has to offer in terms of mods, it's you're just dipping your toes in, aren't you? So, uh, so Resurrection of Evil followed um, PC and Linux. PC and Linux, Windows and Linux came first in April May 2005, and the Xbox One got us. It was an expansion pack originally, but it was released um, on I think on Xbox as a as a standalone retail yes, edition. That's right. I believe. Yeah, I had a retail copy of this. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Um, Arrived on Steam a couple of years later. Uh, this was co-developed with Nerve. I imagine they handled a lot of the, the level design and, and stuff. Um, they also went on, as we said, to to, uh, to do that episode of extra uh, levels for Doom 2 on the 360. Um, and it's a sort of five-hour... Well, it's a sequel, really, um, because it's set two years after doom three mm. um you go back or another marine is it another marine or is it yeah. just the same no it's marine another guy on? i thought it was yeah mm. um and you go back and they're saying that it's safer but of course it's not it's still absolutely it's the opposite of safe and um yeah it's like a it's like a more compact uh slightly brighter campaign with some new enemies um and a couple of new items, one of which is so blatantly <laughs> the gravity gun from Half-Life yeah. 2 as to, but not, it doesn't feel quite as good, but it's, it's all not, right. No, it's not as good. It's, 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 it's okay. Uh, it, it functions similarly, but it's, yeah, it's it, the, the engine isn't quite as sort of um, designed around it or whatever. Um, and they, and don't, the other th- they don't really make you use it either, which is a bit disappointing. I think you have to use it in each of the boss fights in there. Or at least the first, the Helltime Hunters. Right. But other than that, you can completely you know, just do away with it. Or, yeah, I mean, it's very handy for killing certain enemies without using mm, ammo. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah, uh, it's, it's very useful, but there's no there's no puzzles or anything with it, no unfortunately. Puzzles. No. Yeah, it's, it's the reason why when I originally bought the expansion pack on PC that I didn't play it. It was because the gravity gun wasn't Half-Life 2's, you know, zero-point G manipulator feel thing. It, it, I was like, yeah. this isn't the one that Alex Vance gave me. This is rubbish. And I remember turning off the... Uh, I remember just, just closing the, the game down. I was like, right, back to Half-Life. Like, okay. mm-hmm. I just wasn't interested in it at all. And I only recently played it through for, you know, this podcast uh, this very year. Mm. So, yeah, it took me a long time to get around the fact that you know, they copied something that they liked, which is fair enough because that's what some games do. Some games do copy yeah, I like ideas. how brazen they were about yeah, it. They just it's just care. like, well, this came out a year ago and this gravity gun's amazing, so we'll have yeah, one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I can't blame them for nicking a good idea, but it, I was kind of hoping for something a bit more. Like John said, there was no real reason to use it other than you can grab an imp's fireball and fire it back, which is which is amazing. But they should have probably made, mm. made you use it a bit more than what they uh, didn't. 
is a little mm. unwieldy, I found, and hard to aim at times. Um, and yeah. and the, also, the, once you pick up a barrel, it starts burning down, so you can't just hold on to, and you get mm. end up getting things exploding in your face. So, if you're running around with it equipped as well, it makes that little like ticking noise every time you scroll over something that can be picked up, and that yeah. happens all the time and gets very annoying. Mm. Probably more interestingly, I thought, was the heart effect, as I, I've dubbed it. I don't actually know what it's called. Um, it's something you get early in the game, and it becomes more powerful as the game goes on. Uh, first, it allows you to slow down time, which is a puzzle-solving device. Uh, later, uh, it gets powered up after uh, after a boss, I think it is. You um, uh, are able to berserk mm-hmm. uh, when you when you activate it. Um, and then finally you get invincibility as well. So uh, all those three together, um, and that becomes pretty much essential for for killing the final boss, who is actually the escaped uh, antagonist of the first game, Dr. Betruga, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. That's it. Scenery-chewing um, idiot. And uh, <laughs> now Another bald with guy his... who looks like a strog. Yeah, with his face in the body of a of a Ridley um, type <laughs> creature, and the, the final yeah. boss is very, very, as I say, very reminiscent of Metroid Prime's yeah. uh, Meta Ridley, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, uh, I'd, this is one bit where I wasn't sure if I was hurting it, so I actually had to look up to see if I was doing the right things because it's not very clear. I didn't think um, whether I was damaging mm-hmm. it or not, but ultimately, um, actually, I think the probably the most challenging bit of this game is there's a room on the previous level which is just a complete kill fest and i was thinking of you uh john playing this on nightmare i don't know if it was you know oh, uh, i actually i didn't play this one on nightmare i only played the oh, main okay. doom 3 I, I rushed through this on normal i feel like this would have been you know the room i mean it's like just um mancubus after mancubus and baron and you know you're just in a maze of pillars and there's a few bodies mm. around which is what you use to charge up your artifact yeah um, but that that room I felt was pretty tough. It was like the toughest all-out combat mm. challenge in either game for me. Except, I mean, yeah, but by the time you've got the, the heart effect powered up where, I mean, what have you got? Sort of 15 seconds or so of it? It's pretty generous. Super and berserk, yeah. There are bodies everywhere. So it slows down time, gives you berserk, which you can just punch anything to death in, like, one, maybe two punches. Yes, yeah, and true. it and it makes you invulnerable. So at that point, it's just, well, just bust out the, the artifact and just go mm. punch happy with everything. And then we quickly switch back to it when I'm vaguely near one of those bodies lying on the floor and it will regenerate it. Again, the challenge was more uh, switching between <laughs> between uh, weapons than, uh, you know, um, actually getting between your, your items uh, quickly enough. But, um, yeah. It's they're good about it on the Xbox because you can use the D pad, and it, unfortunately you can't like program the D pad for which weapons you want. But okay. the, the artifact is always left on the D pad, and then your fists is always right. So you press left, activate it, press right, and just go and punch everything. Okay, I was I was mouse wheeling as I say, which is cool, uh, but uh, it's quite sensitive, and there's quite mm. a lot of options. So yeah. Yeah, I think overall the Resurrection of Evil (laughs) expansion pack, excuse me, um, I kind of liked it, you know. I did, yeah. It was enough different to make the game uh, enjoyable uh, again for me after playing so so many hours of Doom 3 on on the BFG edition this year. I like the the aesthetic around you. It's kind of like, uh, it looked like an Egyptian pyramid kind of thing. It was all kind of like in mines and it didn't didn't rely so much on the, the UA see aerospace kind of base so much it was kind of like you, you kind of felt like you were in these underground 
man-made mm. kind of um, structures. Yeah, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, it's certainly more economical and streamlined than than the main game. It's like yeah. five hours. It's like a third of the length, mm. and everything. It reminded me a bit of um, sort of some of the DLCs. Not you know, not that it was as sort of uh, interesting in terms of writing or anything, but it reminded me of the. Um, the Bioshock 2 uh, DLC and that it's kind of condenses the whole experience down into like a, 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 a several hour chunk where every, you know, you keep getting dished out new goodies and, and before you know it, you're kind of at the, at the back end of it, which mm. and maybe that's I mean, not a good yeah. thing to say, but the story is much of a muchness as well. It's the same basic oh, thread of yeah. this hell things happened again. You're a Marine, go there, deal with it, go to hell, kill the thing, like shut down the base Come back. Yeah. There's one female character this time, as you mentioned earlier, but I mean, that's fine. And there's no real, there's nothing made of the fact that she's a female character, but there is actually, I think she's, you know, apart from the odd audio log, she's pretty much the only one who you ever see. Um, but yeah, the story is from, I didn't think it was any more. Well, it's this, yeah, like you say, it wasn't any more interesting because it was the same. <laughs> it was the same story. Mm. Um, but it does give you closure on the first game. I mean, it, was, it felt to me like the fact that, you know, you see Betruga get away at the end of the first game, you know, like uh, like Ming at the end of Flash Gordon. Um, Literally after somebody says, we never found Dr. Betruga. And then you yeah. see this demon flying about with his face in its mouth. It's like, there's Dr. Yeah. Betruga. <laughs> So I assume they always had this uh, this this expansion planned, or or whether or whether they were just thinking of Doom Four. I don't know, but but there it is. Uh, finally, let's sort of wrap up the um, the Doom Three BFG thing. Um, we've already sort of talked about lots of the key elements, but uh, so this was October November twenty twelve for uh, PC three sixty PS three and Nvidia Shield. Um. Enhanced sound, uh, support for 3D displays, checkpoint save system, uh, includes Resurrection of Evil and uh, older, you know, Ultimate Doom and Doom 2, but also uh, a new expansion pack called The Lost Mission. Um, so I haven't played this, um, but I know at least one of you has. Anything yeah. to report on The Lost Mission? Uh, yeah, it's really hard, and there's like wind sections that you have to jump over, and was that? No, it's The Lost Levels. Sorry, but it's got <laughs> I don't fish remember in it. that. Got confused. There's poison mushrooms in it as well. No, it's, um, <laughs> it really feels like they just found a bunch of um, cut-offs from you know the cutting room floor and just bolted yeah. it together. And she went, "Oh, there's some there's some levels, and at some points there are actual bits used from the main Doom Three game in the Lost Mission, mm. so they don't feel so lost." You're like, "Yep, I've done this bit before." And it's, it's only two hours long, which is, I suppose, a benefit again after these ones. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd rather play the Lost Missions than watch the Doom movie, which is can't yeah. be equal in length. So, yeah, I mean, mm. it's yeah, it's it's basically another snippet of the same thing. I think actually the story in it is you're one of the Marines that you see at various points in the game, like the previous squad that's going with Sarge. You know, they get right. wiped out. It's I think it's in like the recycling facility about a third of the way through the game, and it mm. actually picks up there, uh, and you're the one guy from that squad who survives. And you get some right. other shady scientist says you need to go and do this to do something or other. It's one of those things like if he hadn't managed to do that, the main game probably wouldn't have continued because the base would have exploded or something stupid. Uh, but it's like it's that. It's a sort of Half-Life opposing forces kind of setup. 
I was going to say, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel nowhere near as good as Adrian Shepard or the yeah. policeman from <laughs> Blue Shift. Blue Shift. Yeah, it's no Blue Shift. Mm. But it's the same wow. basic concept. And, it's, yeah, it's just a little quick thing. It's it's obviously everything else is reused. Um, yeah. Yeah. Only other thing of note, really, on that is that uh, the console versions used the netcode f- and the controller code from Rage, uh, which we'll be covering in a month's time. Well, uh, one piece of correspondence from the community only on Doom 3, which sort of seems remarkable um, given how sort of lively and vibrant our community is these days and given how uh, Doom 3 must have been played by a fairly large number of people, even if the the sales figures we got from VG Charts aren't to be trusted. Um, It didn't provoke much of a response from people and that always interests me in itself. Uh, But thankfully, we have one excellent post from Derek Ritchie, who says, Doom 3 arrived in my gaming period where I did not have a PC worthy of playing much, let alone a, for the time, sophisticated 3D shooter that had lighting and particle effects going on all over the place. So my first play was through the original chunky Xbox, specifically the fancy Steelbook edition that included the added joys of the original games. Doom 3 was a game defined by simplicity, violence and darkness. While the environments may not have been complex and the progress nothing less than an excuse to push forward, the atmosphere created by the fact that you could not use a light and a weapon at the same time created a sense of dread and loathing in every room. Truth is, you had no idea where an enemy would spawn from, when they would appear in front of you, or worse, when they would materialise behind you. Every corner was a potential trap and every corridor a choke point that could contain both relief and shock almost interchangeably. Many a time was spent swapping between the light and my shotgun, first to see what was there, jump back and then frantically scramble for a weapon that had ammo in it. Doom 3 may not have meant to be a horror game, but it is what it excelled at. As well as that, the weapons, gunplay and movement felt spot on, retaining the fast speed of movement and the need to master the move and shoot skills brought about in the previous games. It was a title that I hated playing, but loved shooting, a weird situation where I dreaded exploring the next area but could not help but revel in the carnage that followed. I've not played the re-release, mostly because allowing the light and the gun to be used at the same time feels like a concession that was never meant to be. This was a title where unknown anticipation was a huge part of the thrill. To have that reduced even by a little is already something that feels wrong to my senses. I could be wrong, of course, and it will be ill of me to judge without playing, but I knew what enjoyment that light both hid and revealed. Thanks, Derek. Excellent stuff. Mm. And uh, also just uh, a wee smattering of uh, three-word reviews. Start with Darren. Tim Wilsey said, too damn dark. Uh, Roxy says, need brighter flashlight. Jonas R. Ganarath says, scary, repetitive corners. Colm Sheridan says, guns, scary monsters. Elaine Stryker says, many monster closets. Matthew Woolley says, my first doom. Glyn Mooney, duct tape mod. And Darth Chunk says, all about atmosphere. Thanks, everybody, who tweeted to us at Kane and Rince. Follow us, do. Special thanks to Glyn Mooney, who uh, helped us out of a big hole, technically speaking, the other week, uh, a.k.a. Skadoosh on the forum. Hmm. Now let us conclude and summarise our feelings. This is uh, So this is the middle one of three uh, id Software corridor shooter 
first-person shooter podcasts. Um, obviously, Rage is a slightly separate entity. Mm. Uh, we pretty much all still loved Doom and Doom 2 and, and all that in the previous show, but I'm intrigued now because I don't really know kind of how we're going to sum up. So, yeah, Darren, Doom 3 <laughs> or not? Uh, I, I think every time I've played it since release, the, you know, the three times, I've, I've lessened, you know, I'm less warm to it as I, as I once was. That doesn't mean I, I don't enjoy it because I wouldn't have played it through again for the third time in, you know, in 2016. There's, there's, there's still something there to be had from the game. I just don't think I enjoy it as much as I once did. And, you know, that's kind of a shame to say. Um, you know, I can play many first-person shooter games again, and uh, and really enjoy them, but um, yeah, Doom Three for me was I, I'll defend it, and it when you know, and uh, and also critique it like I have done. But like in normal conversations, when people tell me, "Oh, Doom Three is not a good game," I'll say, "Actually, I I really like it because of this, this, and this," and you know, I, I will defend it. Um, but it's not a particularly great game anymore. Um, it has it has its moments, and uh, I think I play it purely because it's called Doom, and it has the imps in it. You know what I mean? There's you know, I play Perfect Dark Zero because it's called Perfect Dark and that game's marginally worse in my opinion. Like, it's ridiculous, but I still play it because it's called Perfect Dark. But yeah, Doom 3 and its expansion and its kind of nugget left on the floor called The Lost Missions, it's um, it's good. I like it. Um, I just, I just don't think I'll ever play it again. Thank you, Darren. Yeah, so after putting this off, having owned it twice previously on console, I finally got around to playing it through for the podcast as or as i nearly always say uh, except when a game has driven me completely insane i'm really glad i have i've now seen it all the way through i've played it on normal i've completed it legitimately and all that it will be with a quick save but that's that's part of pc first person shooters as far as i'm concerned um but i have to say uh in 2016 um after so many other kind of other first-person shooters, other atmospheric, scary sci-fi games. Um, Doom 3 feels pretty bog-standard and ordinary to me now. Um, it would have been, I, I'm sure, a technical tour de force, eye-popping, um, running it on Ultra as I, as I did 11 years ago, but up against some of the stuff that's around now, it loses that ability. So you're left with, you know, a, a an entirely serviceable, functional corridor shooter come scary sci-fi thing i was on edge at times uh the you know mechanics were sound and solid but without ever really being anything that wowed me the levels had a had a nice flow to them as i say i didn't get lost or frustrated too often at all apart from a few odd corner trap moments and uh and mexican jumping bean grenade related deaths um the bosses were felt generally fair they were a challenge but um apart from a couple of instances of not quite understanding if I was hurting them, they felt like they were, you know, sensibly uh, pitched in terms of difficulty. And so, yeah, uh, overall I felt Doom 3 was a bit long at 15 hours um, for a game that essentially plays the same tricks over and over and over and over again. And in fact, moving on to Resurrection of Evil with a couple of new uh, interesting nuggets, uh, the heart artifact that allows you to slow down time and be invincible and punch things easily to death, um, sort of mix things up nicely. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it for the most part in a I am a cool space dude wandering around scary Martian corridors shooting enemies from hell kind of a way, but I'll probably never play it again and I certainly wouldn't suggest that people bust a gut to go out of their way to play it but you know if you stumble across it for 99p in a bargain bin you could do worse 
And let's conclude with John. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think I can be really any more positive than either of you guys have. Um, That's okay. I, I played this in 2005. Um, I really liked it at the time. I played it again in 2014 and again this year. I still really like it, but it's a heavily flawed experience now. And I think it's in the same way that a lot of those other old first-person shooters are. Um, it's very much of its time, and it did do some things at the time that were astounding. It pushed graphical fidelity. Um, I think we we sort of laugh about the PDA system and stuff being a bit pointless, but it's one of very few games that I remember, and certainly 12 years ago, um, it actually has something like that in it. Um, I think the f- the shortcomings have been that it was an industry leader at its time, and since then the industry has gone so far that going back to it now, it does feel like a a dated experience. And you know, I'm not one to cry the praises of things like regenerating health and uh, sort of infinite enemy spawns, but this game does feel a little bit like it's been left behind in the respects that. It does still have a health and an ammo meter. And I think that the monster closet thing, at the time, I might have found jump scares to be effective. But after the last 12 years of, you know, everything, games doing that, things getting much creepier, um, it just doesn't phase me at all anymore. And I was slightly disappointed because I remember being scared by this game in... 2005 and it was laughable last year and this year when I played it so I was a bit disappointed but I again like you guys said I'd find it hard to recommend it really because everything has come so far it's an interesting experience um it does do some things that a lot of other games haven't done very much before or since but you're not going to be missing out on a huge amount if you never get around to it Excellently put. Thanks, everybody. Rage in a month, then. It just remains for me, Leon, to thank Darren and John and to tell you that next time in issue 216, Cage, Page, Defoe and Quantic Dreams 2013 interactive cinematic Beyond Two Souls. (laughs) 